Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, retirees face two obstacles regarding inflation. A rising prices put stress on fixed income and investing in a retirement plan to keep up with the higher cost of living. So on today's show, we're going to cover some strategies that can help you avoid this inflation pain. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a guy that's been helping folks get to and through retirement for more than 30 years. He is a fiduciary, an independent uh, investment advisor representative. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him, silverleaffinancial.com. He's also an author. The book is The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. We haven't talked about that in a while. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Oh, hey, we're doing great. No, we haven't talked about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Steve. Appreciate it. Sure. Well, we'll get to that. But I want to start, you know, you were, we were just talking about inflation and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the added fees and, you know, all of the things that we seem to have to deal with. And, you know, I mean, I remember the 70s and the 80s, and I remember what what inflation was like, what it is now, if not worse. But there's a whole bunch of folks out there that have never dealt with it. I think I think you're I think that's spot on. There's a lot of people that haven't dealt with it. You know, uh, if you haven't, if you're what younger than thirty, right? Uh, you probably you pro- really haven't seen inflation this high before, and I, I don't think we've had that in their entire life. Um, you know, so it is something. It, it's it's shocking to a lot of people, and it's shocking for, to those of us that have been here. You know, I remember I remember the inflation, uh, and I remember the gas lines in the seventies. Oh yeah, and you know, and and. Um, the situation was it has been you know seems like a long long time ago, but we're going through it right now, and and the different inflation that we're seeing is is very real. It's hitting everybody in their pocketbook. Um, you know, of course, the people that are higher up on the income scale or on the wealth scale, you know, they 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 can afford it. It's not going to be as you know onerous for them for sure, uh, but it definitely impacts everybody. And so what we want to talk, but it, and it also impacts your retirement plans and it impacts the stock market. You know, for instance, like. Like we've seen this week with the market, you know, falling off uh, uh, 550 points. Yeah, that's um, a, that's a, yeah, that was a big day. That is a big day. It, yeah. And, and you know what? It happened in just about half of it 
was in like the last half hour. Um, it really just, when you look at a chart, like a day, I look at charts all the time, as sure. you guys might yeah, know yeah. if you've listened before, if you look at a daily chart, it is, it is just falling off a cliff. It's like the side of a, a it's almost like the side of a mountain. I, I mean, this, you know, it's the, the descent in that last, uh, the last couple hours or the last, I should say last half hour, uh, was about 300 points. And so oh my it was, gosh. It, it was pretty fast because I was, there are a few stocks I was looking at, you know, uh, for instance, Zim, I've talked about on the show many times. Yes, you have. Uh, I, I think it's still a buy. I'm still buying it. And, and so that's something because it was up earlier. And then I'm like, ah, the market, because the market was weak and the stock was up. And I said, you know, sometimes, usually when that happens in a situation like this, where we've been up in the last couple of weeks, it's logical that we're a little bit overbought, which means, you know, nobody should be surprised at us dropping a little bit. Because guys, just to bring it back and I'll, we'll get back on the inflation front in a second. But just to get back to the stock market, you might not realize NASDAQ is up about 15% just in the last two weeks, all right? And, and I think it was from March 14th um, you know, to today, it's, it's up roughly 15, maybe 16%. So what seeing do you attribute a little bit that of a, to? Oh my gosh, you know what? I think it was, I, in my opinion, it was, it was possibility, the possibility of peace talks between Russia and Ukraine and possibly the end of you know, this madness of, of Putin invading Ukraine. Okay. And I believe that was that's what gave the market a little bit of a breather. Um, and, and I also think that, you know, we did have the first interest rate increase. So that's behind us now. A lot of times, you know, um, you, you know, the, the old saying is, you know, sell the rumor and buy the news. And, and so, in other words, when the rumors came out a while ago that they got, the Fed was going to start raising rates, that old saying said that's when you should have sold. And, and when they actually did it is when you should be a buyer. And, and so, but I think, I think the news in Ukraine is what's been pushing the market on a day-to-day basis. You know, that's been our headline risk lately. Um, and so to me, the possibility of the peace talks and them, and then him coming out, Russia saying, you know, oh, they're going to, uh, they're backing off on the attack or something. They're going to ease up a little bit. And in my opinion, that's just BS. I, I think it's just like when he was stationing the troops and loading up the troops. He says, oh no, I'm not going to attack. These are just war games. We're just doing drills. Sure. He, all right. He's. He's just trying to give him, he's giving them guys a, a break so they can reposition and attack from a different angle or something. And, and, but I don't, I don't think it's cause I don't see what he's accomplished at this point. Uh, so not what he thought he was going to accomplish. It seems to me. Yeah, that's right. And I think he thought it was going to be done much more quickly and a lot faster. And I don't think he expected the unity that has come, that has come around and, and the other governments, you know, providing them with not just money, but also weapons and, sure. and things sure. like that. So, so I think that's what it was, but if you look at the market, the market to me looks like it's kind of range bound. You know, we're up in this. Uh, it seems to be what from like four between four thousand or forty one, forty two hundred, and forty six, forty seven hundred. Uh, we seem to be bouncing around in this range, and so my opinion is, uh, I feel like we're we're ready for a little bit more of a pullback. You know, maybe three four percent. Maybe we give back half of that gain. You know, there's a lot of technical analysis out there that says when you have a big gain like that, you should expect to see half of it. You know, given back. Uh, and, and so with a 15% gain, maybe we, maybe we see a six, seven, 8% drop before it stabilizes. Uh, but most people do predict that the market's going to be higher if you're looking out more than, you know, seven or eight months. All right. So if your timeline is three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, then you want to use these pullbacks as opportunities to accumulate and to buy the positions that, uh, that you feel strongly about. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And, um, you know, so let's get well. All of that, what you were just talking about with the whole Ukraine and Russia and Putin and, and all of that—that's influencing mm-hmm. the market. But that's also no feeding inflation. It uh, by far, it is definitely feeding inflation. And 
And it's because, you know, like Ukraine is one of the the world's biggest supplier of wheat. Um, you know, and, for, and I was just reading the other day, there are some countries like, uh, I, I want to say like Nigeria and, and maybe uh, Egypt, I think it was. They get like almost all of their grain from Europe. I'm sorry, from Ukraine and from Russia. And and so now you've got famine. What what they're forecasting going to be famine and starvation problems in that part of the world because of this. So the the repercussions are far and wide. Um, but but Russia and Ukraine are some of the biggest suppliers of grain. They're some of the biggest suppliers of, of other minerals and metals as well. And if anybody's uh, um, heard about some of the products that go into computer chips, for instance, one of them that I hadn't really heard much about was neon. <laughs> and and apparently neon comes from that part of the world. Okay. And so who knew? And so it's right. So it's yet a, so it's yet another thing that is adding to the problem. You know that we've had. You know this um, what I call the pandemic induced inflation spiral, which is how I look at. It. I believe the pandemic is what led to all this by shutting down everything, shutting down all the warehouses, the factories, everything. Right. Every people had to stay home. Yep. Around the world. Around the world. And then putting that, put, getting this massive, massive worldwide global production machine running again, you know, is it's like the big, it's like the big ship in the ocean, right? You can't turn it around on a dime, and and so I feel like that's what's going on in terms of the inflation. But I think that to me, then the Russia-Ukraine situation made it that much worse, uh, as well as with oil, of course, because you know Russia's a big provider of oil. So so this is but but what it's doing right it's causing inflation so it's costing more you more at the store right so if you right. got a you know and we talk about inflation and and but a lot of times people don't necessarily bring it home and do the numbers and so what i wanted to ask everybody to do is look at your budget look at how much what is your budget if your budget's $5000 a month so you've got a $60000 budget and we're at 4% inflation that would mean that their $60000 budget now it takes 62400 right an wow. extra 24 an extra 2400 bucks if that's your budget if inflation is 4% for you to just buy the same things and do the same, you know, buy the same services, buy the same goods that you've been getting. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so then you look at that and you say, all right, that's an extra 2,400 bucks a year. That, that could have been like a, I don't know, a three day weekend at someplace. I don't know. I, yeah, um, but, absolutely. And I mean, that, right? that I think is, is having a, a serious impact certainly on lower income folks. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Definitely. No, and I and I think and that's one thing that I've been trying to figure out because as 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 we look at the stock market and you say oh we're seeing inflation, um, and then and then some people say well why is that hurting the stock market? I always heard that stocks were a good hedge, you know, against inflation. Okay, and there's a two part answer here. Uh, stocks are a good hedge against inflation, guys. For the record, the stock market has shown the best returns of any asset class going back for decades and decades. If you go back hundred years, stocks have been your best investments. Okay, in terms of long-term annual returns, they've done better than bonds, better than cash, better than real estate, better than everything um, on a general basis. Now, of course, if you take select neighborhoods, like let's say uh, you know, let's say Phoenix or Scottsdale, right? You might have some zip codes that have outperformed the stock market. Um, but on a general basis, it's been a great hedge against inflation. But the problem is when we when we talk about the economy, our economy in the United States is roughly two thirds or close to seventy percent of it is from consumer spending. That's the, the majority of our economy is, is consumer spending. So then you have to say, all right, if, if, if consumers have less to spend because, they're, because of inflation, it means they're, they're paying more for rent, they're paying more for their food, they're paying more for the things they absolutely have to have, are they going to be able to spend as much on discretionary things? And that's when you say, you know what, probably not. People on the lower end of the scale, you know, if you're, if, if, I mean, let's, 
I think the median income is probably right, is right around 60 grand, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I just saw the average hourly wage was like $31, which would equate to about 62K in annual income okay. for the median person, right? So this 4%, 4% for, that we're talking on a $60,000 budget, that actually is right in line with the median income in this country. So, so basically, the, the average person, if you will, has to make an extra 2400 bucks to do the same things this year that they were that they did last year, right? Yeah. And so, if, so if some of that money was used, let's say, to take a trip, to a, buy a, you know, take a vacation, you know, they're probably not going to do that, right? Or, or instead of, you know, or they'll tone it back. They'll tone it back, right? Maybe take a three day vacation instead of a week. Um, and so I'm that, so that's why I think that the stock market is susceptible to to weakness because I think that it's very likely that earnings estimates could come down for the stock market. So companies will make less money because people aren't spending as much. So think about, think about your retailers, you know, like that's what I, one thing I'm looking at, I, I look at a sector basis and I say, you know, this doesn't seem like a great, a great time to be buying retail stocks. Uh, and then you look at something like Home Depot, I think they just broke a 52 week low today uh, or this week. And, and so, right. Um, so there's a lot of headwinds going on right now, guys. So I think it's important that everybody take a look at it, identify how much risk you're comfortable taking Make sure you don't have money in the stock market that you can't lose uh, or, or maybe that you don't want to lose, right? Could, because there are alternatives. There are other things you can do to protect your money where you don't have to take the risk of loss, but you can still see good returns if the markets do well. And so that's what I suggest for a lot of people because um, you know, if, if, you, if you tell me you're happy with 6 or 7% returns, guys, you don't need to take the risk of the stock market. You just don't. Uh, I can show you ideas that, that, and ways that, you can see, that we've seen those returns without risking a penny. All right. But I mean, you know, that's something that people really need to be aware of as well. And I think that the fact that you're, you know, just because, you know, you've got this insight, this knowledge from experience that you understand and how to navigate through this mess. It's yes. Yes. I, I appreciate that. And, and you know what? No, it's not. This isn't my first rodeo. I started in the business in 1990. I've been doing this nonstop for 32 years um, you know, so we have gone through this before. And that's why I said earlier, the key is your time frame. All right. And how much you're, how comfortable you are with risk of loss. In other words, you know, are you, does it cause you to lose any sleep when the market's down, you know, 10%? Uh, if it drops 20% from here, is that going to cause a problem? Are you going to worry about it? Um, and is the money discretionary? Because what I, what I prefer, what I recommend is only have discretionary money in the stock market. Uh, have all, let's have all the income bases covered. Let's make sure you've got the income that you need. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure it's guaranteed, right? Okay. And then when you've just and when you've just got discretionary money in the market, it doesn't bother you nearly as much, right? Because well, yeah, no, it's up and down. Not. It's you know, yeah. you're not worried about it impacting your way of life. Well, and that's that's key, isn't it? The uh, one I, of the things that I that I keep seeing. Um, some of these financial gurus, if you will, uh, they say, yeah, but it's different this time. Is it? It's <laughs> well, not, is it? I mean, I don't, what's different? You know, I don't, you, you know, it's that, that, that is like a classic, uh, that is a classic argument, a classic debate. And, yeah, and I'm I sure know. it's, and it's going to be one that will be, will, that people can have for decades and centuries to come. I'm sure. Um, you know, you know, because you look at it, well, one thing I could say, one thing is different. We haven't gone through a pandemic before. Right. Okay. That has not happened in a hundred years. So most people living have not gone through a, a pandemic. So I'm going to say that's different. Uh, and as a result of the pandemic, what was different is the amount of central bank money that was just printed and pushed out into the markets, all the stimulus checks. And guys, remember, it wasn't just the United States. Central banks around the world, 
in Europe, Australia, Japan, China, everywhere. The central banks around the world were doing the same thing. And so it's not just the U.S. that did this, but, but there's an unprecedented amount of money that was printed and put into circulation. Uh, and then with the Fed, Fed uh, buying bonds and artificially supporting the bond market and doing, they've taken extraordinary steps. Okay, so those are the those are the things I can think of that actually are different. We've never seen them before. Okay, and, and that's that is what makes this very difficult, guys. The other thing is, I believe we've seen the end of the bull market in bonds. Okay, and guys, this is a big, very important for anybody that's invested in the stock market, especially if you have any money in bonds, because bonds have been in a bull market since night since the early '80s. They've been in like a 40, 40 year bull market. Wow, late se- late seventies, early eighties. Just think about treasuries and interest rates. At that time, you could get a 14% CD, right? Because that's where their interest rates were at, 14%. But now they've went from 14 all the way down to zero. And remember, the price moves opposite of the, of, of the interest rate. So anybody, you know, the best investment, any, one, of the, one of the great investments somebody could have made 40 years ago would have been buying long-term U.S. Treasury bonds. Uh, you'd have had a guaranteed return of 13 14% a year. So, but, but those days are over. And, 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 and the thing is, when you look at bond markets over long periods of time, they tend to go through really long cycles. In other words, like this one, we had a 40-year bull market. Before that, I want to say you have to go back to the end of World War II before it was good. In other words, there was, there was a bear market in bonds from like 40, 1946, roughly, uh, to basically around 1980, right? Okay. So we, had a, so we had a very long term. And before that, of course, it was a bull market that goes... You know, they, they go for decades, though, is my point. And so if you have a big if you have a significant portion or any exposure at all, really, to bonds, you want to take a hard look at it because there might be better places to put that money. All right. Because if you think interest rates going to keep going up, look at bonds. Bonds have had the worst fall up, have had the worst uh, performance. I want to say in, in actually about 40 years for that as well. Uh, it's been a long time. Bonds have really not have done very, very poorly. If you own them, you probably know that. Uh, so you want to take a look and see whether that's a place you want to stay. I think from an advisor standpoint, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that most advisors like you have, you know, sort of moved away from bonds. Do you think that there are still some out there saying, well, yeah, bonds is really the way to go? Oh, d- yes, I do. Definitely. Oh, really? I, 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 yes. I, I, I know there are. I've seen some interviews in the last few days. Oh, my um, gosh. With, with some guys. Yeah, that was a good call, actually, Steve. Um, yeah, I've seen interviews the last few days. In fact, I saw one. Oh gosh, what was it? Wednesday of this week, um, and the analyst is now, the, and he's bearish on the stock market. Um, and he said he actually suggested, and he said, "What you might want to do is buy long-term bonds." And you know, the, there so there are people out there that are recommending them. You know, but um, but I'm having trouble with it because if you look at if you look at where rates are at, you know, and then you say, okay, if the government's going to raise rates you know, right. uh, seven times, eight times, which means roughly 2%. Okay. Um, if you're going to do that, I, I just, I just can't, to me, it does not appear like it's a great environment for bonds. So actually, you know, I suggest other alternatives, uh, guys, I can show you index annuities that would have made seven or 8% returns if you own them for the last 10 years with no risk of a loss, no fees, no charges. All right. They're obviously built into the product. I'm not trying to say nobody gets paid. Okay. But there's nothing taken off the top of the investment. In other words, it's not like a mutual fund that used to have a load. You put in a hundred grand, and they immediately take away three thousand dollars or something. That's not the way this works. If you put in a hundred thousand, that's the amount of money you've got working for you. 
And if the market dropped, you still have 100,000. It doesn't go down at all. But if the markets do well, you make money when the market goes higher. And I can show you how these have, have done very well, but you can't, but they don't all work that way. And some of them have very, very lousy terms. And some of them do have big fees. All right. So, so it's like everything else in the world. You know, you got to look through it, sort through it. You got to do your research and, and, and find it and find the best ones. You know, just like when you're, you know, looking to buy a car, right? You want to do your research and find a good car. Uh, well, annuities have good ones and they have bad ones, just like everything else in this world. Sure. And, uh, you know, but I can help you find the good ones if that's something you're interested in. Well, so, Kevin, what about annuities and inflation? Is our annuities affected by inflation? Does inflation affect annuities? Um, well, let's, that's let's, actually, let's that's, just talk good ones. Yeah, that, that is. Uh, it depends on what you mean by how, how it affects it. Um, you know, it, it, uh, inflation affects your spending power. And I guess you could say if you're taking income from an annuity, then, you know, as inflation goes I higher, see. then that spending power goes lower. Sure. You know, but that but that's like every, that's like all your dollars, you know, whether those dollars are from the stock market or from an annuity. Right. It's the same. It's the same impact in terms of the returns. The, the annuities that I like are what we call fixed index annuities. And, and so every, everybody sh should understand and, and you want to do yourself a favor and don't write them off just because you might have heard somebody, you know, because you heard a stockbroker make a negative comment or because you saw an article saying uh, something negative about them. The fact of the matter is it, it, you shouldn't generalize with these products, just like with anything else. You know, in other words, when you look into them, I can show you some that are really very good. Uh, I can I can have you know, I can show you my client, my clients comments. My clients love these because they've done well for them and because they don't have to worry about them. All right. But it's a subset of annuities. They're not all the same. Some of them are the variable contracts, which have what are called sub accounts, kind of like mutual funds. Those are the ones that usually have the high expenses. Uh, then you have fixed account, fixed annuities that work like a bank. Like, like it's just a set interest rate. Let's compare it like a bank CD. So a three and a quarter percent interest rate for five years is a, is a, the best rate I see right now. It's a guaranteed rate, no charges. And it's guaranteed 3.25 for five years. So that's another subset. And in the between in the two of them, you have the fixed index annuities, which guarantee you can't lose money if the market goes down. But the way they make money is tied to an index. So the question on whether inflation would affect the annuity, I guess it would affect the index, you know, but that's like I said, that's going to be the same thing if you own the index outright versus whether you own it, you know, whether you have exposure to it in an annuity. Sure. Uh, you know, so there are indirect effects. But my opinion, what I like to say is that if the markets do well, you're going to do well with the annuities. But if the markets do poorly and lose money, you won't lose a dime inside of the index annuity. That to me is the way to go. I mean, I mean, why not? Oh, I, 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 100 percent. That's exactly what I suggest for most people. It's what I'm going to be. It's what I'm doing myself. Um, you know, as I, th I think, you know, that 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 annuities are very, you know, they, they get a bad rap. <laughs> okay, for lack of right. a better way of saying it, they get a bad rap. In fact, in fact, you mentioned my book, the book earlier. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the chapters, uh, I titled it "Annuities Are Not a Bad." You know, annuity is not a bad word. I made that the title of one of the chapters. Okay? Sure. You know, and, and because it because I swear a lot of people I bring it up, it's like it, it it's like a four, it, you know, it's like a, one of those seven words or something. You're oh, not supposed yeah. to say. Oh yeah, they bristle and they, you know, yeah. shocked and yeah, it's it's almost like <laughs> how dare you say that to me? Yeah. You know, it's like guys, these can be really good products. They can be a good piece of your portfolio because it's just a piece. You want to think of it as a piece of your portfolio. I think of it as a separate asset class. Okay, so just like you want to have some stocks. In the past, you wanted to have some bonds. What I'm doing is replacing my bonds with index annuities. That's how I'm doing it. 
okay? Because I know you can't lose money in the index annuity, but I'm not so sure you can't lose money in bonds. If interest rates continue to go higher, you will lose money in bonds. And so I would rather eliminate that risk, all right, but still give everybody the opportunity to make a good profit. And if you think a 6 or 7% return is a good profit without any risk of a loss due to the market dropping, then you should give me a call and we could talk about it in further detail. All right. And uh, folks, if you want to reach out to Kevin, it's 800-975-6717. You can also find him on his website. That's silverleaffinancial.com. You can connect with him that way. Let's talk about that book, Kevin, uh, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. And uh, in and amongst that, you've got a chapter on annuities. How does annuity, how do annuities tie into long-term care? Yeah, that, that is a good question. I appreciate it, Steve. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, that, and, and by the way, guys, you can get the book if you're interested. All you have to do is go to my website, silverleaffinancial.com. It's on the front page of the website, and you just fill out a little information, put in your name and email, and, and I'll send it directly to you free of charge um, electronically. And, and so it's just something, it's, I, there's a lot of information in there that people don't understand, um, that people aren't familiar with. A lot of folks don't realize how expensive long-term care is. A lot of folks don't realize that the government will not pay for it. Okay, they will for a very, very short period of time, um, but th- we're talking months, not, 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 and not, not a lot of them. Okay, so uh, long-term care can be very expensive. The facilities are easily a lot of them are over a hundred thousand dollars a year now, um, and and the reason I brought up annuities inside of there is because a lot of annuities actually offer riders uh, that can that can use the money you put into the annuity for long-term care. And, and we also talk about in the book how, how, how you, if we set these up properly it, and you have to and you pull the money out for long term care, you can do it on a tax free basis. All right. So Even what I better. can show you. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you got to pay for it, why, you know, let's at least save the tax money. So I can show you how to reposition money that you have into a vehicle that will give it a tax free basis should you need it for long term care. All right. But if you don't need it for long term care, the money is still yours. You don't give it up. You don't lose it. Um, you can take it out and spend it if you want to, uh, or if you should pass away, then the money is going to whoever you name as a beneficiary. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it, I think it's a great hybrid product because, you know, like all types of insurance, like think about auto insurance, right? You can make an argument that you're paying for your auto insurance, but if you don't get in an accident, you wasted your money, right? I guess. You got no benefit. What benefit well, did you yeah. get from Well, you didn't. Well, you got the, the, the peace of mind knowing that if the, something happened. The peace of mind. That, and that's what you're paying for, right? You want right. to make sure you don't, that you don't get in an accident and somebody sues you for $5 million or something. Right. Um, and, and, and so, but I've had, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, well, if I don't need it, that's wasted money. And, and so, so, in other words, long-term care insurance. They feel like, hey, there's a chance I won't need it. And that's true. You know, it's, it, it's a, I, I think of it as half the population. You know, different studies will show different numbers. It depends on how you, what do you consider needing long-term care? What's your length of stay? What's the severity of the condition? There's a lot of factors that enter into play. What I can tell and suggest to everybody, think about your family. If you've got family members that have developed Alzheimer's or dementia, if that's common in your family and, and stroke, if these situations are common in your family, you should take a serious look at getting long-term care. Because a lot of the people that wind up needing long-term care have a stroke or something else that leads to Alzheimer's or dementia, and they're still physically very healthy, but mentally they uh, they've lost their memory, and so they can they could you know bad things can happen, and so if those situations run in your family, you really should take a look at long-term care and whether it might make sense for you.
Well, and folks, again, it's a great way to start the uh, the process to learn, and that's through the book, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. And as Kevin said, you go to the website, you, you give a little bit of information, and uh, the book is on the way to you. It's that simple. It's a, it's a piece of cake, and you don't have to put in that much information either. I'm and, guessing and, not. No, you don't. It's just your name and email. Uh, and, and guys, I don't, sh- I don't share anybody's information. If you give me your name and your email address, uh, your information is just with me. I don't share it, you know, unless until the point in which we do business. And then, of course, however we structure that, that, sure. that of course, would have to be shared. Well, why, um, yeah, it's like I'm thinking if, you know, if I had a handful of email addresses from people, what, what would I do with them? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, there are, there are companies that will buy them. Um, oh, I know that, but. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. It's uh, but, but, I'm, but I don't, I don't play those games. I hate it when somebody does that to me. I'm not going to do it to anybody else. Sure. Um, you, you know, so I think, I think, I think what, what the money that you guys have in the stock market, take a look at your bond exposure as well as taking a look at your stock exposure. Okay. And, and, and times like now when we're, when we're having, you know, when we're kind of range bound, I think it's a good opportunity to to come up with a list, write up a list. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, figure out what you'd like to own. You know, make and first of all, make sure you know what you own now. See how it's doing. Uh, see what sector exposure you have. Make sure you're not loaded up all in one or two or three sectors. All right, um, and, and and understand what you own and how it's impacted by what's going on in the environment. And uh, if you'd like some help with that, I'm certainly happy to help. Uh, I would I would point out we, we've talked about the Pure Growth Fund. Uh, many times on the show. And so far, we're still profitable for the year. Um, we did drop today. You know, we did drop a little bit this week along with the market. Uh, but we are ending the first quarter with a gain of 2%. Okay. So I like um, that. You know what? I'm, I, I, that's got to be a win. Okay. The markets are down. <laughs> All right. So um, to me, that's a win. Obviously, we'd always like to make more money. Uh, we'd like, but at the same time, we've got to manage the risk. And, and so what I do pure, with pure growth is, is a concentrated portfolio of stocks um, that that I uh, purchased based on research uh, that I've talked about before. It's called we call it re- rules based. Yeah. These are th- these are rules that that have been put in place for years and years by investing legends like Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch, and I just copy their rules. And I use this research. I pay I pay for independent research, um, and then I then I take it a step further and I add those stocks to uh, clients' portfolios. And, and so in the pure growth portfolio, we had a 35% return net last year, calendar year 21. Uh, and we've got a net gain. I want to say it's like 1.95% for the first quarter. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing where people, uh, you, you know, you got to take a second look there and, and understand that it, you know, it, it's not right for everybody. I understand that. But again, it could be right for you for a portion of your portfolio. For a portion. Yeah, it, that's exactly. And that's exactly what my clients do. The clients that, you know, everything else is taken care of. These are folks that have have got a couple million dollars in, in investments. A lot of it's in annuities for the record. Um, so everything is taken care of. It's discretionary money. Uh, and it's ideally done in an IRA account, preferably in a Roth IRA, yeah. uh, which is what, which is where I do it personally. I, I invest my own money uh, in the same pick in the same stocks that I'm buying for my clients. Okay, um, and so I eat my own cooking, so to speak. And um, and and it, but it is it is best done in a tax tax deferred or a tax free account because the holdings can be sometimes short term. They could be a couple months. Uh, the longest product, longest one that I've held, I've mentioned before, is Matson. I still own it from last July. Uh, it's been a great performer, and it still looks really good. Symbols MATX. Uh, I want to say we've got about an eighty percent gain in that since last July. Wow! And and so there are stocks making money. You know, look at 
Um, look at AGCO, A-G-C-O, uh, is, is one that uh, has been having a heck of a run. I want to say it's up like 20% in the last month or something. Um, you know, there's some plays in the agriculture space and the fertilizer space because of what's going on in Ukraine. There's some plays in the food and in the food area, you know, like Tyson Foods is one that I'm looking at. Um, and so I think there are, is always opportunity out there, you know, like uh, Jim Cramer on CNBC there's, says something like there's always a bull market somewhere. And my job is to find it just for you. So I do the same thing. That's what I do for my clients is try to identify where the best opportunities are which sectors, which areas, and that's what I try, and that's what we focus on. All right. Well, that sounds great. I mean, I know we're, we're coming up against the clock here, uh, Kevin, but I want to ask you um, if you've been following the Secure Act 2.0, and, and that's actually moved forward. You know what? I'll, I'm going to admit I have not followed that, All right. followed well, that as well, closely. Uh, again, well, I want to talk about it probably next week or the week after once it gets passed by the Senate, but it passed the House 415 to 5. No kidding! Wow, yeah. that is so, that 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 is some of the strongest support on both sides of the aisle that I've seen anywhere ever. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly in the last few years. Well, it was almost that way with the Secure Act, the original Secure Act. So this one, so again, you, you just got to ask yourself. I mean, I think there's a lot of good things in it, but I also think that mm-hmm. you know, here, don't look at my left hand, just just watch my right hand. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think people should watch what the pol- a lot of these politicians are talking about. And, and guys, you should you should take a look at what Rick Scott out of Florida, Senator Rick Scott, has proposed in his 11-point plan to rescue America or something. Uh, there are some scary provisions in there that could that could literally end Social Security and Medicare. I have to think that this could never pass, but he's got it as his platform. And, and he is the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. So uh, I think everybody should take a look. Some of the things Congress has done, like extending their RMD age, you know, raising it to 72, from 70 and a half is a good thing, but they also got rid of the stretch IRA. Sure. So, um, you know, so please pay attention to these things they're suggesting because it could have a drastic, you know, a severe impact, you know, on, 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 uh, on, on your sources of income. Sure. Well, again, I, I'd love to talk about it when, once it passes the Senate, cause it sounds Definitely. like it will, and then we'll know exactly what it's going to be uh, entailed. But yes. I, I think there's some interesting stuff that, that, uh, you know, if it stays in the bill, I think it'll be, it'll be a fun conversation. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, guys, mark your calendar. We'll be sure to talk about it in the next, uh, in the next week or two, give you some details as soon as we've got more information out of Washington. All right. So, uh, you, again, I love your optimism, Kevin, and, and you, you continue to have that. And what, I mean, despite a market that's, you know, with the Dow that dropped, what, 500 points today? Um, yes. I mean, how, how do you keep your optimism? How do you keep it alive? <laughs> well, you, you know what? I like looking at long term. I talk about charts all the time, guys. Yeah. If you ever get if you ever get dissuaded or start to think the stock market, you know, maybe you shouldn't have money in the stock market. Just pull up some long term charts. I, because I started in this business um, in, in, in 1990. I graduated college in 1987. And I remember the Dow in 1987 is when the market crashed in October of 87. And the Dow was at 2000. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's now at 34,000. Right. So in the overall grand scheme of things, you know, we've got one of the, you know, the United States is a fantastic country and has some very, very, a very, very promising future. And I believe the stock market can do very well over time. You just have to go through the ups and downs and not let it, you know, and not put too much in there that you can't afford to, to see fluctuate. Sure. Well, on that note, let's just call it a show and uh, we'll uh, we'll reconvene next week, huh? That, sound, that sounds really good, guys. Thank, thanks for living. Be, listening. Be careful out there.
information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, members FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.